Hello and welcome to Coffee with Conservationists, the podcast where I sit down with conservationists, ecologists, wildlife filmmakers, or really anyone who dedicates their lives to helping nature. I talk to them about their work in wildlife conservation, human and wildlife coexistence, community projects, and worldwide environmental issues. So this episode kicks off season two of the podcast, and I'm really excited to carry on making these episodes and sharing these stories with you. I have started using a new audio and recording setup, and this is definitely a steep learning curve. So I will say that this episode does have a little background noise, um, mainly me breathing and drinking coffee. Um, But this will get better with time, and I hope you all enjoy hearing my guests more clearly than before. As ever, you can find out all about the coffee connection and the coffee I'm drinking today over on my Instagram at Coffee with Conservationists. Today I'll be featuring coffee from Cafe Rebelde and I'm drinking the Zapatista blend. I'll be talking more about them and who they are at the end of this episode. In this episode, I talk with O'Neill Leiden. O'Neill is an incredible conservationist, activist, content creator and photographer. We talked about the campaign to stop oil drilling in the Bahamas, his connection to the ocean, and the Unite for Climate Action project, and more. Hi, Neil. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for taking the time to come on and talk to me today. We usually start this off by getting to know you a bit. Could you tell us kind of about yourself and how you first got interested in working in conservation? Absolutely. So thank you so much, first of all, for having me. It's been quite a wild ride this entire year for conservationists and for the kind of work that we do. So as you've already introduced, my name is Neil and I am a conservationist from the Bahamas. And I think what really gave me my start in conservation as a career was at the end of my, my uni experience, we had to do a senior thesis as most people have to do. And I just had such a hard time finding something that truly spoke to me and spoke to the career path that I wanted to have. And so as I was doing my research, I discovered this phenomenon that scientists were, I guess, recently becoming acquainted with. This was in 2016 and it was the colony collapse disorder that affects Apis mellifera or honeybees. And I personally noticed that there was a significant number of bees that were either dead around the Bahamas, or at least the island where I live, uh, or just a total absence of them in large numbers. And as a biology major, I thought that would be the perfect catalyst to tie in my major as well as my interest in what I wanted my future career to be. And that's just because at the time I had recently decided that I wasn't going to pursue a career in medicine any longer. And so I was just finding my footing and it was just the perfect opportunity to kind of explore a new interest as well as keep it kind of brand specific. And that was what gave me my start. However, I will say that when I was a child, I was always that kid that loved the environment. I always loved going on the beach. I always loved hanging out with my friends on the outside of the house and collecting bugs and um, just playing games. And so a lot of my interest in the natural world comes from that space. And growing up, I always found myself attracted to television programming that involves science or the wonders of the natural world. 
So I spent lots of time watching Nat Geo documentaries and BBC and Discovery and even kid shows like Captain Planet and The Wild Thornberries. Those were shows that were just instrumental in laying the foundation for the kind of work that I'm doing now. And even when I sit in my quiet moments and think about what it is that I'm taking on, I'm still mind blown just because I owe so much to that kid, that little black kid from the islands who didn't know what this looked like for someone like him, but for whatever reason was brave enough to still pursue it. And so I think that's the origins of Nature Boy Neil. That's fantastic. Thank you. I, I think it's it's been so interesting to hear um, the, like, I guess you could call it an origin story, really, of um, of all the guests <laughs> I've had on here. And uh, a common, they've all been so, so different, but a common theme throughout has always been a childhood love and fascination with the natural world. Um, and I think it's really important to kind of get that started in in young kids and in children. Um, I mean, so, so moving on, I don't want to spend too much time on this because I do want to do a whole episode with some of the other participants. But the reason I know who you are uh, is through the Sale for Climate Action Project. Um, could you kind of tell us a, a, briefly what this is and what it would, what it meant to you? Absolutely. So Sale for Climate Action was a project that took place earlier in the year before the pandemic and it involved young people some of us conservationists some of us climate activists some of us social activists and we were just connected to this common cause to raise awareness for the effects of climate change on the latin american and caribbean regions and that's where my active work in climate change kind of took its start and so it's about 19 countries represented of quite a few languages, maybe more than 10 languages represented on that ship. And we set sail from Cartagena, Colombia. And the mission was to sail across the Atlantic and attend the intercessionals at the climate change conference. However, the pandemic kind of put that at a halt. So initially, instead of going from Colombia all the way to France and then making our way to Germany, we ended up being cut short somewhere in the middle, which was at Bermuda, which would, would have been our point of leaving the Caribbean region. So it was it was pretty devastating to have to cut that kind of work short. And it meant so much to all of us. For me personally, it, it meant just representation. Just like I mentioned a few moments ago, I didn't know what a career in this field looks like for someone like me, someone from where I'm from. Because in the Caribbean, there is a very, very strong force for parents with kids who have academic abilities to want them to pursue careers in medicine or careers in engineering, education, things that can provide, I think, a more stable income. And that's understandable and, and it's, it's totally, totally, totally agreeable. However, I thought it was time to diversify because I do have a regular job, or at least I had one before the pandemic and I worked in hospitality, but it was still tied to conservation science. And so I guess at the beginning of the year, it was my opportunity to say, you know what, I'm gonna step out and take just a huge opportunity and a huge risk and pursue my dreams and pursue them on my own terms. And luckily I have a family and I have a, a work team that's been so supportive of all of that. And 
that's how we got started for me. We, we set sail from Cartagena. I met so many amazing individuals. We stopped in Jamaica and we spoke at the University of the West Indies with some of their faculty. We also stopped just off the coast of Haiti, emailed with some local fishermen. And in Bermuda, we spent the most time, we spent about a week in Bermuda just because of all of the global restrictions and border closings. And to be very honest, I was willing to ride across the Atlantic in the middle of a pandemic for this cause. However, European borders had closed and it just became entirely impossible. And so we regrettably had to end our mission. Yeah, that really resonates with me because I I know how, uh, for, for me, just, just some kid in the global north who gets opportunities like this a lot um or they they come up a lot for so on social media and i have time uh this was a devastating project uh, that the fact that it got cancelled was was um made me feel really sad but obviously i can't even begin to imagine what it was like for so many of the participants who had invested so much of their energy time and and money into it um but it's Obviously, I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens next. And there's some positives to it. You know, it's been taken over by, is it Klima, Klima Delegation? And you're, yeah, you're doing Klima. some amazing things with them as well. Um, kind of linking to the ocean now, because obviously, you know, the whole the whole sailing theme. I'm just wondering, I, I will ask more about oil in a moment. Uh, but for now, I want to ask you about the ocean. What does, what does the ocean mean to you personally? Wow, I just got chills thinking about it because I've answered this question so many times in the last few weeks. Mm. And my answer changes every time, but the central tenets, they always remain the same. And that is the ocean is quite literally life for Bahamians. We are outside of a tourism destination, which is our main driver for our, our country's GDP. Our secondary industry is finance, which... Most people tend to know just because the finance and offshore banking industries tend to be pretty big in the Caribbean region. But our third is fisheries. And we are a pretty huge exporter of a lot of marine um, foods, such as fish, such as conch, lobsters. And for me, I, I think that the ocean is just life to us. For me, the ocean is an indicator of a healthy ecosystem. It is one of the markers of a healthy planet. And I mean, when you think about our planet, we are a blue planet. And that that's just, it's, it just blows my mind because of all the places in the universe, we have all of the right conditions that have come together at the right time to support life. And it, it just baffles me that individuals are willing to risk that for just this, this very selfish and capitalistic view that they have. So yeah. for me personally, if I have to just put it in a sentence, the ocean for me is just like that's that's really beautiful thank you for sharing that because i think um after after going to that on a bit more of a personal level um you're now you're now part of this campaign um you and, and three other bahamian leaders have um come together and and demanded uh many things of your government which is absolutely amazing um can you tell us about the the situation with the oil companies currently and the, and the campaign that you're involved with. Yeah, definitely. So this actually started quite a while ago in 2007, where the Bahamas Petroleum Company was given license to do exploratory 
oil drilling off the coast of a few of the islands here. And for a while, it disappeared from media coverage. No one spoke about it. But I will say that even back then, 2007, there was a, a huge outcry from the environmental community and the leaders at the time. One of them who was quite amazingly become a mentor of mine so many years later, Vanessa Haley Benjamin. And she has been one of those individuals that has encouraged a lot of what I do. And just to be able to continue this, it means a lot because like we mentioned a few moments ago, we're an ocean nation, we're not an oil nation. It doesn't make sense to drill for oil here. And so the program that I'm a part of at the moment, the campaign itself is called Only One. It's a platform, they have a website and Instagram that everyone can go and check out. And what they're aiming to do is tell the stories of young people from MAPA regions, most affected areas and places. And they also aim to just amplify the stories of individuals who may not regularly have that opportunity. So when only one reached out to me, literally less than a month ago, I already went in with the idea that this has to go as fast as I can take it. And we just got to work right away. I had to source a team of local individuals and Alana came to mind immediately. We went to uni together and she recommended Nikita and Lauren was a personal friend of mine that I interviewed for Shadow Magazine a few weeks ago. Mm. And that was honestly such a strong team in my opinion because we represent so much. We are from a few different islands in the Bahamas and we're from very diverse backgrounds, despite being from a very small country. And these are also individuals who aren't afraid to have their voices heard. So this campaign has meant a lot. There's a petition that's on the website. Anyone that wants to sign, which I do highly encourage, can visit only.one backslash Bahamas. And then you'll see the full details of the campaign, including the participants and the promotional video that we have there and of course the actual petition itself. So when the team reached out to us, we pretty much had to do what was essentially a user driven campaign where we each recorded ourselves just because of the COVID-19 restrictions. And I will be very honest for a moment, I was very critical of it because I know how the optics thing works on social media. People like fancy, they like glitz and glamor. And I was just really afraid that we would miss some of that that connection. However, I guess because of the fact that everyone's been home for months, it kind of struck a chord because people were able to see us in our natural elements without all of the fancy equipment and, and scuba gear and the, the placards and the climate posters. And they got to see just four people from a country that we love so much asking a very, very simple request of our government, which is just give us a chance. Give us a chance to prove that we can do this thing the right way. and. I guarantee you we won't fail. So this project has been, honestly, it, it, in the last maybe three weeks that I've been working on it, it has become just like such a close connection to me. You're, you've seen my Instagram. I, I just wake up sometimes and I feel the need to just talk about it a little bit more because the urgency is something that I cannot drive home enough. Oil drilling can start as soon as December 15th and as late as the end of February of next year. So we don't have a whole lot of time. And... I am just I'm just so honored and so impressed by the amount of individuals that have come forward with an interest in this project and wanting to share and use their platforms to amplify our voices. I couldn't have asked for anything more. 
I, I've been following it for, I mean, since you made us all aware of it on the, the WhatsApp chat, um, maybe, was it last week, I think? And yeah, um, yeah, it's, it's an absolutely amazing campaign. It's, it's, I've touched on a few of these kind of big, uh, a few of these campaigns uh, with previous guests, kind of local issues with global consequences. And I think it is so important to rally the international community in inviting these. I mean, you've got, you know, uh, an amazing success with this. You've had um, only one, as you said, big platform pick it up. And then obviously, uh, I believe I came, I stumbled across some coverage from uh, Christina Mittermeier as well, um, which, yes, obviously, which obviously gives you what something like crazy 1.4 million followers on, on Instagram or, or something. So, uh-huh. um, it's yeah, it's a it's a brilliant campaign, and the the people involved um, from uh, from knowing you and also just from seeing their Instagrams, I can see how amazing they are, how driven they are, and I'm really hoping that that you guys and and everyone involved can uh, can stop this from happening. Um, I I'd like to touch briefly now on, I mean, this is a, a topic I've touched on a couple with a couple of my guests in the past, um, most usually in the US. But this year, 2020, as well as all the um, pandemic things, related issues we've had, we have seen a huge rise in um, protests against systemic racism. Before the tragic death of, of George Floyd and the subsequent protests and Breonna Taylor, we also saw the rather nasty, but sadly not, unfamiliar incident with the black bird watcher christian cooper um and i think a lot of people didn't really know uh, especially white people especially in the global north didn't really know how uh lacking in diversity the conservation environmental and wildlife industries and sectors are um could could you if you feel comfortable could to could you kind of talk about your experiences navigating the conservation industry and also kind of why it's so important that that our sector is intersectional and actively anti-racist. Absolutely. So with my trajectory in this career field, it has literally, this is the most I've ever worked in the field since these protests and, and this kind of call to diversify every industry at this point. Mm. So I've just kind of been taking advantage of it and speaking as much as I could and writing as much as I possibly could fit into my schedule. Because for me, getting a start in this industry was impossible. For one, I, I live on an island in the Caribbean, so you think it would be so easy to break into conservation science, and it's, it's truly not. Because the country is so small, it becomes kind of a niche market, and it becomes very hard to make a way through that initial barrier if you aren't someone who has already achieved some degree of publicized success. So coming straight from undergrad and just trying to get jobs with these heavy hitters, they want to know, oh, would would you know about bird watching? And um, what's your diving history like? And are you certified in this? And here I am, just just this guy who only recently graduated and and was very proud of my, my degree in biology with chemistry. And so when I took it from my waking life into the social media realm, I realized that I was maybe following one other person with the interests that I have 
and that was because we went to uni together and I just did a very simple search on Instagram black environmentalists nothing came up um, it was like a bunch of hashtags of, of things that were I guess related but not of any actual people so I tried that a few times and then I tried uh, black scientists black conservationists um, black men in STEM black women in STEM and Slowly, I, I kind of was able to build up maybe like four or five individuals, but those were all individuals that were way beyond my, my reach. Those were people like Neil deGrasse Tyson and um, individuals who work in big pharma or they just, they were able to get somewhere and, and that's kind of where they would have stayed. And so there definitely wasn't any representation of anyone that I knew that was young and from the places that I've been and from my kind of background. And that, that kind of struck a chord with me. So taking it back to Sierra for Climate Action, when I found out about it and just the aim and the countries that will be represented, I had to be a part of it because it, it just wasn't a thing where I was from. And even when I was going, there were individuals that were very skeptical. Fundraising was exhausting to get, you know, just to be a part of that project. Because, like I said, it's a very niche market here. And I'd reached out to huge corporations and, and national trusts and individuals who I knew were key players and stakeholders in the environmental industry. And it, it, it just seemed as though the interest wasn't there because I feel as though I didn't have the platform that they were looking to amplify at that moment. And so when I was able to go, I wanted to take every opportunity that came my way, and that's how I became involved with so many of the individuals that you may have already spoken with. It just it became a transformative experience for me, and I'm so grateful for it every day. Yeah, I think that's um, that's really important. Thank you again for for answering so so brilliantly. I think it's um, I mean, the only experience I can draw on is my own as a as a white man in um, in the UK going into this field and, and looking at this field for a, a long portion of my childhood. Um, I, until maybe a year and a half, two years ago, like early 2019, my field of vision around uh, conservation did not extend much further than white British conservationists. Um, and I think like looking at my my bookshelves and the books that I was brought up on and the TV shows that I watched, it was all the same. And I think that it's it's really important that we need to um, ask these questions because everyone has a different answer to that question. I've asked it, I think, two or three times now. And, um, yeah, just to, to tell people that our industry is, is not as diverse as they, they think it is. And, um, yeah... But, but thank you for that. Um, Absolutely. I think we, we talked about this right at the beginning a little bit, but I wasn't recording at that point. Um, it's COVID-19, the, the pandemic. It has devastated everyone's lives on international, national and community level. Just to get kind of a little bit informal for a bit, I, I just want to ask, how are you doing? How are you feeling in all of this? Kind of how... Has the pandemic disrupted your your future plans with, um, with conservation and, and wildlife? 
yeah, the, the pandemic has been, I think, the star of 2020, to be very honest. It, it seems like it's all that we talk about. Even when things are getting better, it's still at the back of our mind that this could happen again at any moment. We can have another spike in cases and then we'd be back at square one. Right now, the Bahamas is still under a state of emergency until the 28th of December. So basically the rest of the year, to be very honest. Mm -hmm. However, I will plug that my birthday is on the 30th of December and I'm looking forward to having at least the opportunity to go on the beach and <laughs> just spend some time in, in the open air. But in terms of the pandemic and how I've been doing, it's been it's been quite a ride. I I've been good. I've been... I've been safe, I've been fed, I've been protected from the COVID-19 virus. And I guess in the grand scheme of things, that's that's all that matters. But I will say that it's been rough in terms of just keeping myself motivated and, and my mental health journey. Uh, a lot of people know this about me, but my mom is a mental health professional. She's a psychiatric nurse. So I think a part of it that I've been blessed to have has been her guidance and having her to speak to and say, I'm just not kind of doing okay today. And having someone who understands that and, and knows the, I guess, the professional way to navigate somebody who's not at their best mental place right now. So I've been very thankful for that. I've been thankful for friends that I could just call on and say, girl, I'm having a week. I'm having a day. Um, let's chat. And I've come to understand from a lot of my friends that we've really been, we've been going through it together. Maybe not knowingly but we've been going through the same things we've had plans canceled we've had events that we weren't able to celebrate we've had in some cases loved ones that were lost i haven't but but people i know have and i've just been trying my best to just keep motivated in terms of some of the plans that were canceled obviously the sale for climate action journey was canceled and when we started to work with clima delegation clima and the German government, particularly the Ministry of Environment, had funded a new project, which is currently ongoing, called Building Bridges for Climate Action. It features the same team of activists and conservationists and young voices, with a few new additions from Trinidad and Tobago, Haiti, Peru, Colombia, Jamaica, Ecuador. And it's, it's the same group, but taken to another level. We were supposed to actually fly into Germany and have a actual physical program. However, Germany and the rest of the UK and Europe have been experiencing rises in cases. And so that unfortunately was had it was canceled and it was now a virtual program which has been going amazingly. We've had our first week of programs last week and it just makes me believe that there's so much that could have been accomplished and so much that is going to be accomplished when we're able to gather in a space and feed off of each other's physical energies. I think it's gonna be so powerful, but in terms of the actual pandemic and, and what it's been like, it's been a learning experience for me. It's taught me to plan, it's taught me to work more, it's taught me to just kind of make the best of what I have and try to turn all those ugly little pieces into a greater masterpiece. Yeah, yeah, I think it's kind of the same for so many people. It's just been put so many projects on hold and, and been mm -hmm. um, very, very demotivating with a lot of people's creative outlets. Um, I think, you know, I'm very lucky, as as you said, I'm the same in the same situation as you. I've been 
fed, I've been housed, I've been kept warm. Um, I'm I have family and friends. I think the the only uh, real issue with everyone's um, kind of with with this pandemic in terms of uh, the UK is we are so vastly populated in terms of um, lots and lots of people in our cities. And I think the the lack of green space and the um, the fact so many people were kept indoors in potentially dangerous situations was was the hardest thing, um, and weren't able to get out to you know in the UK here we have I think it's about two point six two point seven million people who don't live within oh, wow. ten minutes walk of a green space, so that's a park, a garden, a woodlands. Um, anything like that they they just don't live within 10 minutes walk or accessible distance and obviously millions more who can't afford a, a train fare to get to the mountains or can't afford uh-huh. don't have a car to to get to the woods uh, 20 miles away that kind of thing so i think that's the the hardest thing for us but um yeah i was very lucky i had a garden and that's all i could <laughs> ever ask for really is is green space um i think kind of uh we're kind of getting to the point where I've asked everything I wanted to talk to you about really but to kind of finish off uh, we're just going to do a little quick fire round if that's okay first off what's your favorite animal oh my goodness sounds crazy but penguins and flamingos I'm a bird person I can't explain it Where's a where's a place you like to go and connect with nature? Somewhere you feel kind of really at home, outdoors. Definitely the beach. The beach is where, where I want to go all the time. Do you have a conservation hero? Yes, um, I would definitely say that my mentor Vanessa Haley Benjamin has been just instrumental in my work in the last three years in terms of encouragement. And I've she used to be the director of my department, and she was the one that gave me my first job in conservation. And she was the one that believed in what I could bring to the table. And many times she sat with me in her office and she's given me books and she's given me just tools that she thinks she, she thinks would be beneficial to my career trajectory. So Vanessa is definitely one of those individuals that inspires me heavily. And last off, how do you take your coffee? <laughs> I love this question. So I have you ever seen those scales of coffee cups where it's like one is like super white, like mostly milk, and then like ten is like really black, and it's like no milk, no no sugar, nothing. Oh, yeah, so yeah. somewhere in the middle. However, I am I am very very partial to something that's 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 more um, on the sweeter side of things, just because I'm I'm just someone that's always on the go, so I tend to get iced coffee a lot. I mean, I think we'll we'll wrap it up there. But before we finish, I just want to ask, where can people find you? What your like social media handles? How can people get in involved with the projects you're connected to? Absolutely. So anyone that wants to reach out or connect with me can find me on Instagram at natureboyneil. Neil being N I E L. And I also just joined Twitter for the the campaign that we're doing. So. You can find me on Twitter, my full government name, O'Neill Leadon, O-N-I-E-L-L-E-A-D-O-N. Funny that you're from the UK because that's where my, my family and the oranges of my last name come from. But that's a different conversation that we'll have. Yeah, that's, um, thank you. 
uh, I mean, all that's left to say is is thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for giving <laughs> your time. Um, it's going to make uh, an amazing first episode to to kick off season two, and I'm looking forward to seeing what you come up with next, and hopefully meeting you in real life one day uh, post pandemic madness. Definitely, that's that's the plan. Actually, um, I was talking to Tori earlier, and. I would like to definitely come out there and, and visit my friends in Bristol and then somehow find my way over to you and, and just kind of see what life is like on the other side, or like they say, across the pond. And <laughs> um, I, I just think that that's going to be such an amazing experience just to connect all of the work that we've been doing just digitally with some of the friendships that we've fostered during the pandemic. Um, speaking of my friends, you can also follow our work on Klima Delegation's Instagram page. And also, if you want to support the anti-oil drilling campaign that I'm working on, like I said, once again, you can go on only.one backslash Bahamas, sign the petition, share with your friends, and basically just give us a helping hand in getting the word out there to our government that we are, like I said, not an oil nation, we're an ocean nation. Thanks again to O'Neill for taking the time to speak to me today. All the links to his social media will be in the description down below. So I said that today we're featuring coffee from Cafe Rebelda. This is a super cool coffee that I picked up from my local low-waste store in Falmouth. This coffee is grown by the e EZLN, a group who fight for the independence of the Indios Maya. Many small producers have organised themselves into cooperatives in order to defend livelihoods communities and to sell their Rebelda Zapatista coffee. If you know me, you know I'm a firm believer in the fact that indigenous communities and peoples are the true conservationists and I have far more knowledge to protect and nurture the natural world, so I'm really happy to be drinking this coffee and buying it uh, to directly support the Zapatista struggle. I'll probably be buying it more regularly as it is a really good coffee. All the details of this particular blend I'm drinking will be over on our Instagram at Coffee with Conservationists and in the description down below. Now, I won't talk about this too much, but during my break after season one, I started a Kofi page. This is a place for me to share blog posts, videos, coffee profiles, and more. It's also a way for you to support me if you feel like you've learned anything of value from my podcast. I'm raising money through this page over Christmas and beyond to support small coffee growing communities and small coffee companies. If you'd like to help me help these people and groups, please consider supporting me. You can find me through the link in my Instagram bio and the description. Coffee with Conservationists is now available on Spotify, Anchor, Google and Apple Podcasts and a few more places. The next episode will be out on the 25th of December, but I don't expect many of you to tune in then um, because it will be Christmas Day. As ever, thank you all so much for listening. I've been your host, George Tiedemann-Jones, and this is the Coffee with Conservationists podcast.